Welcome everybody to Old Ass Movie Reviews. My name's Dave, that's Scott, and today we are going to do another great Christmas movie. I love this movie. It's called Hogfather. It is a Discworld saga written by Terry Pratchett. Um, the movie is written by Adam Adim. I want to make sure I'm Vadim Gene. He's the director, he's the writer of this particular movie, and mucked about by Terry Pratchett. Um, I like that credit. <laughs> I, I know this movie. I've watched this movie every year for ever since I discovered it many years ago. Scott, what'd you think? Okay, I, this is going to be a long-winded um, <laughs> answer. Here, here's Who are you deal. talking to? <laughs> I, I've always always heard of Terry Pratchett. Everybody um, speaks so fondly of his work and everything. So it, it just been one of those that I was like, oh, I'll get to reading his stuff eventually. Right. Um, so hearing the names, hearing Discworld, the disc on top of the elephants, on top of the turtle, I knew about all that, but it was just um, something I hadn't dug into. So. You really, really hyped this movie a lot, and I mm -hmm. understand that. But <laughs> when I started watching, I was thinking, you know, if I knew what the hell right. I was looking at, I would get it. Right. It's a neat universe. It reminded me of Harry Potter in a bit, yeah. in a weird way. Um, it was, it was, it is British as fuck. Is all I'm going yeah. to say, yeah, uh, dude. Yeah, I is. was this was like the longest Doctor Who Christmas special I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, it was it, once I realized yeah. it's like I'm watching a damn Doctor Who Christmas special because even the story I could see how anybody in sci-fi would yeah. take this, and it was yeah. just really, really cool. But I was like, it's it was hard to keep up. It was um, right again because I didn't know anything. And, yeah, not being familiar with yeah. Terry Pratchett's Discworld, I can see, I can see where you could get a little lost. Right. Yeah. And having <laughs> said that. Not knowing anything, I could have cut this movie way down. Right. But I get why it's built up because there's so much that people expect to see from the books. And, and yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Um, even even I had to get out uh get on the Google and find out what a certain word meant because I am not down with the vernacular of uh the Brits. Which word do you remember what word? Yeah, I do. Veruca. <laughs> I a never Veruca. knew a Veruca was a wart <laughs> on your foot. They're nasty too. The Veruca gnome. <laughs> a Veruca gnome. I was like, what is a Veruca gnome? I know Veruca salt. I know Charlie's chocolate factory. Right. I know the 90s girl band. Right. I don't know what a Veruca gnome is. It's like, That's he's going to come funny. sing to us or is he, you know, what? So it, that was kind of cool. That was the only thing I was, I was like, oh, well, I haven't heard that one. Right. Let's look this up. And uh, I know that, you watch a lot of British TV, but yeah. this really yeah. is this really showed this is I never noticed just how different. I mean, you can tell when you watch an American program versus mm -hmm. a Brit show is it's it's got different sensibility, different language yeah. and stuff. But yeah. I never realized just how different the humor really the the every, it just felt is like man this is british as hell and it, it's not a bad that's not a that's nothing yeah, negative and, <laughs> and i prefer british television mm -hmm. over american television at least their comedies some of their dramas i really like mm -hmm. they're 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 like they're um detective mystery type stuff i love that right. because it's always the miss marple type mystery i, I right. dig those stories um for, for anybody who, who's not familiar with Terry Pratchett or the Discworld. Um, this particular story of Hogfather takes place on a holiday of the Discworld that resembles our Christmas here on Earth. But the Discworld is very different. It is literally flat mm -hmm. that sets atop four elephants that stand on the back of the great Atuan, the uh, this space turtle. I have to comment no. for a second, uh, just for our folks. It's, it's so funny. We're talking British TV, British shows, and David's uh, ringtone there is the TARDIS emergency break. We're just going to leave it there. Went off. <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the, the the whole story takes place where their their version of Santa Claus is the Hog Father, and he's disappeared. Now death has found out that there's something going wrong in the Discworld universe. And he has to step in 
for the hog father. So you have death taking the place of Santa Claus to try and save Christmas. Meanwhile, he can't go to a certain place, which we'll probably talk about. We'll probably cover yeah. it in a minute. He can't go to a certain place because he is death, and death doesn't go in certain places. And he has to get his granddaughter, Susan. Now, Susan is born of two humans. To let everybody know, this gets really confusing. It does. Unless you read any of the books. Susan is the offspring of two humans. One was a girl that death had saved like 90 years ago, I think, mm -hmm. at this point, or maybe more. And her father was death's apprentice because death wanted to take a holiday. He was training somebody to take yeah. his place in one of the books. I, I, I think it's Mort. I think the name of the book is Mort, if you're interested in that one. Anyway, they, they wind up having Susan. Susan is, help, is going back from Earth to the nether, nether realm of Death's home. Mm. So she's got Death's powers because of her two parents being in this realm for so long. So she can literally do Death's job. Yep. But she's trying to be normal. She's trying to have a regular Christmas. She catches yes. her grandfather coming down the chimney. And from that point on, the story just, to me, is fantastic because it's, it's really cool. Death is setting her up the whole time to get her to help him because mm -hmm. he knows if he just goes and asks his granddaughter, Hey, I need your help. There's something bad going on. She will look at him and say, no, I'm not going to be part of this, yep. which she has said to certain envoys of death the whole, the whole time. So death has to set it up to where she's curious enough to go find out what happened. He knows her well. <laughs> yeah, he knows exactly what she'll do. And Michelle Dockery, who is on Downton Abbey, is absolutely fantastic in this role. Mm -hmm. She is Susan. And I, God, I just want to see her do one or two more of these movies. And Vadim Jean needs to be the guy to write him because he is the guy that loves the, this property. It shows. It really shows. Um, Amazon tried to do The Watch, which is another section, mm. some other stories um, of the Discworld, and it looked terrible. I don't know anybody who watched it that loves Terry Pratchett that went, yep, yeah, they nailed it. Mm. Everybody that loved Terry Pratchett that I know that's watched this series, The Watch, hated it. Damn. They were like, that's Damn. not what that. What is that? You know, that's not the disc world. That's not the characters. So, Vadim Jean, if you're out there and you just happen to be watching or listening to us on a podcast. Hi. <laughs> please, hello. But please save, save this property. It is more than worth saving. Um, my, I love death. The death in this yes. is just, if when I die, I want the disc world death to come to me and cut my life cord and say, uh, Dave, would you like a drink? <laughs> or whatever. Have you been does. naughty? Yeah. Have, have you, you been, been naughty or nice? <laughs> who was, um, who what, was the actor did who did death? Who? Ian? Um, let me find it because it's not the same actor in every movie. I know that. This actor, his voice for, for this character was wonderful. His delivery, everything. It was just, it was powerful. Um, what is, I'm maybe saying thinking wrong, but Ian the, Richardson the voice, or something like that? The voice of death is uh, Sir Ian Richardson. That's it, yes. Um, the guy who was actually in the yeah. costume. Well, I was more more on the voice. I'm not sure who yeah. was in the costume, but the his delivery, holy cow. And I can't <laughs> find, I don't see the guy in the costume. They don't have him listed in IMBD, but I have seen him in specials, and they've talked to him oh, cool. a few times. And he is just... He's a funny guy, and, yeah. and I think he has. I think he knows like Vadim Jean, if I remember correctly. Mm. It, it's just one of those deals where, like, I'm, I'm a buddy and I know how to oh, do yeah. this, so I'll, I'll step in. But yeah, let me go through the cast, Let's folks, because I love British comedy, and most of the people in this cast 
are comedians and they're they are British actors. David Jason plays um the 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 sidekick Albert, death sidekick. Mark you know, Warren, Albert, I know I know you want to read through him, but it just no, no, it ahead. just brings it up when you mention him. There's that a joke that runs through the entire show. <laughs> yeah. With him trying to roll and light a cigarette. He finally does at the very, very end and coughs yeah. and hacks and throws it out. Yeah, it throws it's it out. very That's funny because, man, that was a long setup on that joke from the yeah. beginning of the movie to the end. And it's like, oh, that was really brilliant. Yeah, that was that was a good joke, a good running gag for yeah. the whole thing. Um, Mark Warren, actually, speaking of Doctor Who, was in a Doctor Who episode, yeah. the 10th, one of the 10th Doctor episodes. Mm hmm. He's been in a lot of stuff. Most recently, he was he's in another BBC series where he's playing a detective. But Mark Warren played Mr. Tea Time. Oh, yes, I, I knew I'd seen him before. My uh, God, what a wonderful performance from this guy. Oh, that guy, he's insane. I don't want to see him do more shit like that. That, that was wonderful. I hated him so much. Yeah. I was like, God bless you. You are really delivering the creep. Wasn't Man. He wasn't he dull? <laughs> oh, he was wonderful. He was he was uh, so good. Michelle Dockery, <laughs> Susan, uh, David Warner as Lord Downey, the if head. Not, he's been on Doctor Who as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, uh, David Warner has got a huge career. Yeah. Huge British actor. He played Lord Downey, the head assassin. Tony Robbins was Vernon Crumley, the guy who ran the store mm. nigel planner was mr sydney the wizard that was helping them break in to the tooth fairy's castle yeah. peter guinness was medium dave, medium Stephen, dave. i love the yeah. names in here banjo medium dave <laughs> in the book they describe these guys and they explain why their names that their names yeah. and that is worth the book read alone oh damn He's medium Dave because there was a big Dave, a tall Dave, skinny Dave. There was a fat Dave. There was a little Dave. So the only, the, like, the only nickname left was medium Dave <laughs> or something like that, something along those lines. Uh, Stephen Marcus was Banjo. Craig Conway is another guy that I've seen in a lot of stuff. He played Chicken Wire. Billius was on another a couple other British kit sitcoms. Sinead Matthews was Violet. Ian Richardson, like I said, was the voice of death. Mm. Corporal Nobbs. Now, Nobby Nobbs shows up a lot in a lot of these books. And Nobby Nobbs is described to look just like this character. Like when I saw this guy, wow, I knew who you he knew was. exactly who it was. I knew who he was before he spoke. And my wife and I, the first time we watched this, we were, we were, we both looked and went, Oh my God, it's Nobby. It's Nobby Nobbs. And of course he's Nobby Nobbs and he's got the big buck teeth. He's just like this skeezy looking <laughs> constable, just yeah. very funny stuff. But that, those are all the big, the main, the main characters that I just thought was really cool. Yeah. The, the, what did you think of the special effects and the dressing and, and the sets? It it was good knowing, and it was a low budget, but it it looked good. When you told me that it would be like watching a Doctor Who episode, you weren't mm -hmm. wrong. Um, it's not like the sets were serviceable. They were good. It was, mm -hmm. when was this, when did this come out? What year? I two, in the 2000s, early 2000s. Hold early on. Early 2000s, me, okay. I just had it up and I just lost <laughs> it again because that's what I do. So it's newer <laughs> than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. But. The, uh, the special effects I thought were really good. They were good. They were good. Um, and, and when I say it's Doctor Who, like time, I, don't, I don't mean that de derogatory. No, no. I, yeah, yeah I, I get it. It just kind of shows the level of budget that that's what mm -hmm. I'm I'm watching, and it's fine. It's it works. Yeah. It works great because the actors sell it. You believe it. It it the the act actors are good in this. The the bumbling sorcerers in the tower just cracked me up. Oh my god! <laughs> Everything wizards. I thought of. There must be a god of hangovers. They're like, oh shit, here goes another one. <laughs> yeah. What ding a ding? And and Rick Cully 
is such a great character, uh, the head wizard of mm. the Unseen University. And I know I'm going all over the place, folks, but if you are... This a, movie goes all over the place. Again, it's all good. <laughs> if, if, you've, if you've never read the Discworld books, I, I just say go read them. They are fantastic yeah. books. They're funny. They're lighthearted. And they are deep at times. They, they say every once in a while, man, Terry Pratchett gets really deep. And you're like, holy crap, that's, well, that's brilliant. That's but what he I does want. it in a humorous way. Yeah, he, that's he what does I want to talk about on that. Yeah, he does it in a humorous way. And, mm -hmm. and this is what I always like. If you're going to put them, we talk about this all the time. We have yeah. since episode one. If you're going to put social messages in, in, in something because it's going to mm -hmm. be there, at least be creative with your writing. Right. You know, and that's exactly what he's done. And it's like there was as I, as I told you, I, I struggled a little bit with this. But when uh, Death started giving his speech to his uh, granddaughter. Yeah. And it's a very deep one and it's powerful. I mean, it's oh, like, right. My At jaw is on the floor. It's like, that's it. I said, I love it. I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. It's it, And it, it just changed everything for me because it's like this. It made it made sense. And when he talked about why he did what he did. Right. That was deep right. in itself. And it's like, right. I love that this movie has so much heart that it's, it's, mm. I'm still thinking about it. And as I told, said before on an earlier podcast, if I think about it the next day, it's wonderful. You'll be thinking, honestly, you'll be thinking about this movie and, and just the, uh, A, the story, mm. but the, the philosophy behind it. It's deep. It's deep. It's very deep. But it's not so deep that you get lost in it. Like no. you don't even realize, like like Scott said, when when you yeah. do a good writing, if you're a good writer, you can tell your point of view, whether whatever that point of view is, and have people think about it without being preachy. Terry Pratchett was never mm -hmm. preachy in any of his books. Yeah. There are times when he would say something, or, or I'd read something that he would have written, and I would be like, "Oh wow, that's that's kind of interesting." And then two days later, I would think about it and go, wow, that's really a philosophical point that character made. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was, he was think about it. Like you said, there's a point where Death is talking to his daughter, his granddaughter, and he says, humans, the universe is an amazing place. And humans are, you know, just this fantastic thing. You, you know, they had to invent boredom. And he's like, amazing. Or he says something like that. And it's like, yeah. there's so much stuff to do. There's so many things that you that are just mind-bogglingly beautiful. And what do we do? We we as humans, we look at something small and complain about it. We we niggly piggly it until there's it's oh you can't exist. Or we're just really bored and we're like, I got nothing to do. Yeah. Well, your parents used to tell you to go outside for a reason because you'd find <laughs> something to do. Go play with that stick. Yeah. Yeah. Go play with the stick. Go play in a puddle. Go do something. We did. Yeah, and the then we went. Down, but now and we're then we weren't bored age. anymore. Yeah, we weren't bored. We got into all kinds of shit. But he he does it in such a creative way. Yeah. And this show, Vadim Gene, when he wrote this, he um Terry Pratchett initially never wanted to have movies made. He just, he, in his head, and I remember seeing him in an interview, in his head, he couldn't see how anyone, anybody or anyone could do it. Mm -hmm. He knew he couldn't write a movie script or he didn't feel he could write a movie script and make it work. Vadim Gene read the book, um, like in a year, within a year, he had the script, he had the idea, he was trying to sell it, and he got a hold of Terry Pratchett and was like, hey, man, I want to make this movie. He's like, and he's like, no, no, I'm good. No, I don't want to. And he's like, no, no, really, I want to do this. And somehow he managed to get uh, him to read it. He got Terry oh, Pratchett nice. to read it. And when Terry Pratchett read it, he got in contact with him and said, yeah, we're good. And Vadim Jean was like, well, okay, what do you want me to rewrite? And he's like, no, it's, it's, it's good. But he'll go in and he'll muck around with something. Like, no, you know, this character yeah. might not say it this way. He would say it this way. So when you see the, the credits are rolling and it says Vadim Jean written by and mucked about by Terry yeah. Pratchett, it was like such minor stuff that Terry Pratchett would do or say. He'd be like, no, I don't, That's you know, awesome. Susan might not do that. She might, you know, when she stops time, she clicks her fingers. 
you know, she does that little thing and she's walking through the snow, the, the snowflakes. I, I think it's like stuff like that, like little things that he was like, ah, she might do that. I think she'd do this. This is, you know, this is a character that I created. So Vadim Jean was like, oh my God, this guy's barely touching that's anything that I wrote. Well, what that's a testament hell? to how, how well he um, embodied right. its vision in this, in a, in a different medium, like mm-hmm. shortening, condensing, because taking a book and making it a movie, you're cutting stuff out. There's no way around yeah. it. So for him to be able to get it across and leave enough important things in um uh-huh. as someone who's never read the books and everything this is a this is a really good story and it just when i yeah. realized how deep it was is when it stuck it's like you know what you're teaching me a lesson yeah. damn you to me this is <laughs> the christmas carol is m- like my favorite yeah. story and then I saw this and I read this book. This is another book that I've read every season for about, at least six years. Oh, wow. Probably the last six years I've read this book. I know it's silly, but I do, folks. There's two stories that I read, Christmas Carol and Hogfather. And both of them are such human human emotion and human storytelling and uh, soulful and philosophical on so many levels. And I don't mean to go on a tangent, like, because I know sometimes when I say things like that, people go, I'm going to stay away from that movie. This movie is nothing but entertaining. I mean, you have death who's trying to be Santa Claus. And it's funny because he has the notes, he has notes on what to do. Make sure the the dirty <laughs> footprints are left by, by the, uh, the fireplace. Mm. Uh, take a bite of the, the, what what was it? The meat pie. It was a meat pie. Uh, drink drink part of the sherry. Make sure you take the the things up to the hogs because instead of reindeer pulling his sleigh, he has like four or six really big. Oh, they're huge! <laughs> just monstrous hogs pulling his sleigh, and he's got to be reminded to say ho ho ho. But when oh, this doesn't, oh, oh. Yeah, there's no because he's deaf. There's no joy in his <laughs> his delivery. He's very flat, and when he says "ho ho ho," it sounds like "ho ho oh, ho. ho." And the, the sidekick's like, "Hey, no, you gotta. What does he say? You gotta sound like you're crapping cranberry and pissing vinegar, pissing <laughs> pissing cranberry saucer. What? Geez, I wish I could remember the the." The thing got us. <laughs> I forget what he says exactly, but it's like you gotta, you gotta sound like you're crapping cranberries and pissing. What? Wine? Or I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the, I wish I could remember that line. Yeah. It's so funny because I almost spit my drink out the first time I heard it. <laughs> And and he's Beth is looking at Albert, his sidekick. He's like, "Hey, why? How do you know all this stuff about being Santa Claus and you know, presents and kids?" And the guy looks at him. He says, "Well, I was young once, Master. You know, it's like Albert's been with Death for so long. Yeah, that and Death is and, and Albert is a human. He's not. He's nothing super spiritual. Or, you know, he's not a. He's not an elf or anything like that." He is a human being, and Death just just uses him as like his sidekick. It's it? just brilliant. Their relationship is really cool. You see, they yeah. are good friends, and yeah. um, when when he tells Death his story as a child about Christmas or Hogs Watch and wanting yeah, the Hogs horse Watch. in the window, seeing Death at the end of this movie. I, you know what? I'm not. We're not. I'm not spoiling spoiling this yeah. movie. Yeah, I'm trying not to spoil as much I'm not as I spoil can. His, I, seeing but, what he does for for his good friend was touching. Uh, it was touching. Th- there is a group of of beings in the Discworld the, universe. The auditors sh- was it? The auditors who do show up from time to time, and usually they're in a death story. Like if death is the main story, they're in their fudging around with the disc universe disc world universe and they are called the auditors now there's no telling how many auditors there are you only see four at a time 
at, at least in this story. I think there's mm-hmm. only like four at a time. Um, when <laughs> when the auditors are in the universe and the world, they start taking on human thoughts sometimes. They don't mean to. And as soon as they, they say something like I or me, they disintegrate. They just disappear from the auditor universe because there is no I or me. They are like a, a hive mind. Oh, wow. So that's what's so funny about these guys. Whenever there's a scene early on when the auditors uh, go to see the one guy laying in the, in the snow and they're talking amongst themselves and the guy says, oh, it's brilliant that this, this assassin is going into the tooth fairy's realm. Death can't go there. You know, we get the children or he says something like we get the children and we have them forever. And all the other auditors look at him and he's just like, you realize he didn't say me or I, he said, we, so he's still speaking about the group yeah. thing. <laughs> that scene to me, I just started laughing. I'm like, Oh shit. He almost bought it. And he yeah. knows it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they just disappear. <laughs> they all just disappear again. But that, that, yeah, it's such a good story. I can't even get over it when he's giving, he's having children, death is having children sit on his lap. It's wonderful. At, at the store. And then the little girl wants some presents and the mom starts saying, this is what she wants. And death snaps his finger at the mom and she just freezes in place. And the daughter sees her what opportunity <laughs> to tell Santa Claus or the hog father exactly what she wants. Yeah. And she doesn't hold back on anything. With with that, that also brings apart the the scene with the shop owner, um, who basically had to give away his entire store on Hogswatch. In the spirit of Hogswatch, I mean, the death put him right in his place. Um, and he it was it was neat. And again, yeah. there was more commentary uh, right there. And that's yeah. this, this movie is riddled through it. Um, and yeah. and we, we talk about this and I, none of this I'm saying is as a negative, but every everybody who creates and writes and tells stories, there's going to be something in there. And yeah. Um, yeah. with sci fi like this, sci fi fantasy is usually a reflection on society anyway. So right. Right. I thought that was actually really it was really cool. Really cool. Yeah. And he does it so well. And Vadim Jean adapted the book. The book's a pretty thick book. It's fairly it's a good it's a good read. It's a good solid read. But Vadim Jean did something that I didn't think was going to be possible in anything less than a four hour hour movie. He did it, I think, in two and a half, I think is what the running time is on this. Um but it's so good. He condensed many characters into one or two. Mm-hmm. So in the book where you have like four or five people, he's got it down to like two or three. And you realize who they are. Like, oh, okay, that's this guy. That's this guy. And this is what this guy did. Okay, I get what's going on here. He had to. I mean, it makes sense. As we say, when you adapt, you got to. If if he would have had as many characters in the Tooth Fairies realm as happened in the book, that would have been half of your budget for actors. And nobody could keep up. Nobody would care. You wouldn't have been able to. But he did it in such a good way that the first time I saw this movie, like I said, I don't know whether I'd read the book first or not. I don't think I did. But I was fairly familiar with at least the Discworld. I knew who Death was. I knew who Susan was already Mm -hmm. going in. Um, I knew who the Death of Rats was. So that that was good. That's a really... The Death of Rats in the book has a much bigger part. I was really hoping that they were going to have more mm. in there. But the Death of Rats is very funny in the book. So I, I had the basic lay of the land. Like, I knew, oh, okay, this is this is what's going on now. Got it. They've mentioned Hogwarts, Hogwatch in one of the other books I read. I don't know what it is, but, oh, that it's Christmas. I got it. Okay, I'm there. I got you. Yeah. Oh, it's Santa Claus. This is Hogfather. Got it. Oh, Death is going to stand in for... Okay, we got yeah, no like, to roll. <laughs> Let's see where this is gonna go. <laughs> I love the joke that they have. Um how people have converted to different types of stoves instead of the fireplaces and death <laughs> have to go down like a like a three-inch stove pipe. 
<laughs> this is absolutely ludicrous. He, in the, in the movie, to, he's got his hand coming out of the stove and trying to unlatch the door yeah. so he can get out. He is so big. He looks to be at least six six, pushing seven foot in this movie. Easily, definitely seven foot. It's like damn. Oh, and he's yeah. got to go down the little stove pipe. And I like whenever he's talking to Albert in the sleigh as they're flying to one of the houses. He's like, "Why?" What this is dumb. Why am I going down the chimney? Now it's got to be chimneys, doesn't it, Master? Why? Well, what kind of kid's going to write a letter for ask for a present from some bloke who can walk through a wall? It's terrifying. <laughs> See that right there. That right there has me. I told you. I said I want to read these books because this is the type of writing and dialogue that I love. It's one yeah. of the reasons I really liked the Orville. Um, yeah, because it takes people and puts them in a weird situation and how they react. And I'm thinking, you know, you, you see these guys, yeah. everything's normal. It's like nobody ever asks why Santa comes down a chimney, but Death's like, why? <laughs> yeah, Death's the only one who said, why is he coming down the chimney? Why? I why love seeing chimney? that, you know, <laughs> because that's the way it's got to be. And I and why? I like the, the, <laughs> they discuss the, the funny thing is like when you when you read. A Christmas Carol. It is about the Christian holiday. It is about the birth mm -hmm. of Christ and celebrating the Christian holiday. And that's why we have that holiday. When you look at the Hog Father, they explain why there is a Hog Father. They explain why that holiday exists. It mm -hmm. is very much a pagan ritual. It is yeah, very, it's much, very much the solstice. Uh, it's the nature, a solstice, you know, yeah. uh, ritual. But how how it's matured and why. It's the really neat. Father exists the way he exists. Yeah. It is just so, so interesting, and yeah. it, it and it fits, and that's why I love both of these stories so much. Yeah, they all tell you that this is why you don't do this because you know of this reason or that reason. You do it because it's good. It makes you feel good. Yeah, which is what Death is telling Susan at the end of the I know, movie, which is wonderful. You know, but yet the the fact that Mr. Tea Time is always it's another running joke passive. throughout the whole thing. Tea What's Time is literally in the been <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just going to do this real quick. I want to give you the background of the villain. Yeah. His name is Tea Time. Well, Tea Tommy, uh, hired by a group of people to get rid of the oh, Hog okay. Father. So. This guy, Mark Warren, who plays Tea Time, wow, what a psycho this guy. He, He's great. This guy, I want to see more of this guy. I want to see more of this actor. I love this actor. From the moment I saw him in this, I was like, I will watch this guy in anything. And I've seen him do just basic rom, like romper room comedy type stuff. I've seen him try to be a little bit more serious where you're like, oh, crap, that guy's he's yeah, he's a good actor. He's done everything. And as British actors do, much better than Americans, they go back and forth. They, mm. He can go to comedy. He can go. He's versatile. Yeah. He's very, very versatile. But in this, this character, what a psychopath. And he He's plays crazy. that. He doesn't blink. Did you notice that? Yeah. That's I think he blinks like, once towards yeah. the end of the movie, and it's a very slow blink. It's mm -hmm. a very deliberate blink. Yeah, it's, you can and see And it's that. a creepy blink when he does it. When he finally blinks, you're like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> this it's, guy's it's, dangerous. <laughs> it's his delivery. It's the way yeah. he speaks. It's just, you know, not this guy is psycho, and he will cut you. You know that from the minute you talk to him. And they even give yeah. a little bit of his backstory. He is not a good guy at all. No. And no. <laughs> this actor does such a good job on it, man. Yeah, he's he is Jeez. <laughs> spot on. They couldn't have got a better actor than Mark Warren to play that part. Yeah, They couldn't have got a better actress to play Susan. Yeah, and Michelle Dockery. Yeah, she was really good. Everybody was really good. I love Michelle Dockery anyway. When I want to see her do more Susan. She she's yeah. just a fantastic actress. Man, wow, just wow. Yeah. Um, trying to think, Ian Ian uh, Sir Ian has Richardson. has Richardson actually played. Yeah. Trying to think of what else I've seen him in. He's he's one of those British actors that has done everything. 
You've mm-hmm. seen him in movies, oh, yeah. Ian Richardson. You've seen seen him in a million movies, and he never really looks quite the same way twice in a row. It's always one of those guys where you're like, I've seen that guy before. Yeah. Where, where have I seen that guy before? And when it dawns on you, you're like, oh, crud, that's who it is. David Jason has been in a million things. And I didn't put two and two together. And I don't know how long I've been watching this damn show. But there was an old British sitcom called uh, Up, Open All Hours. Mm. And he plays the young delivery boy in it. And as you're watching him in that show, and then you watch him in this show, and then you watch him as Rincewin the Wizard in The Color of Magic, he's not the same in any of these. Like, right. I don't even recognize the guy. Like, the old lady had to look at me and goes, that's the guy from Open All Hours, or Open All Night, or, yeah, Open All Hours. And I'm like, what? Who? <laughs> the delivery guy. And I'm like, get the hell out of here, really? And then I looked, I was like, oh, my God, it is. <laughs> and then I seen him as Rincewin. I'm like, oh, my God. And Albert is Rincewin. And, and then does he plays another guy. And I'm like, I've seen him in so much stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, what, this guy's amazing. Yeah. He's never playing the same character twice. And he always has different looks on his face. It, it's something about the way British actors hold this in the camera. Like, they can make their face look different without makeup. I don't know what it is. They're just, for the most part, they're better than most American actors. There are some really good actors, American actors that can do the same type of thing. But I just think they, they just have a different type of training. Do. I don't know it what is it is. A, it is a different training. It's yeah. taken more seriously, uh, it seems. And, you know, they, they have more schools or more. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, yeah they're well, that, that is a hell of a discussion there because a lot of people like to, you know, it's it's such a blanket statement, but there is there is some truth right. to it. And if, yeah. if you look at the movies, like, why are all the Brits being cast? Well, um, there's a reason for it. They delivered in the in the audition. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they have they're a lot more are classically trained, a lot more in theater training. And whereas what I've just noticed just in my small acting circle mm-hmm. in the small amount of movies that I've done, most uh, film actors here in the U.S. don't do theater. They they stay yeah. very, very much. And there's two completely different styles of acting. And I guess oh, that's yeah. why yeah. you have such a well-roundedness from a lot of the British actors and they're able to do it. What's always amazed me is when I see a Brit do a uh, an American movie and do an American accent uh, yeah. so perfectly. And it's like, I I I can fuck up a British accent. <laughs> like like the guy from House. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's just amazing. I, I, I He yeah. did an album, the guy from House, and I can't think of his name right now. My mind just went blank. Hugh Laurie. Was, Hugh Laurie. Used to do a show called, um, um, what was it called? Um, Jeeves, Jeeves and Wooster. Hmm. Now, Jeeves and Wooster is written by a completely different character, uh, writer. But I love the stories. It's a rich guy with a butler, and Jeeves always takes care of him as the butler. And you see Hugh Laurie in that, and he's just this this funny, dumb guy. Then I found out he was he could play the piano and he could play guitar. And he came out with a blues album. Oh shit! About I'm not sure, maybe ten years ago, maybe not that many years ago, but about ten. And he played the part of an old black. Mississippi blues man while he's singing. Oh shit! Now, if you did not know this you going in, if you were you just think it was listening, you would have blues. thought that this was an old Mississippi blues guy. Nice. And a lot, a lot of Americans were getting pissy about it. And I'm like, why? This, this is amazing. And he was literally just singing blues. He wasn't making. I don't. I don't think they were like funny blues. He may have had a few like jokey blues songs in there, mm-hmm. but for the most part he he was singing just blues songs yeah and it's like holy crap how how can you guys bitch about that (laughs) he sounds like a blues singer that i listen to (laughs) so i I, like you said on that level they just there's there's something about most british actors not all i mean i've seen some hey i'm coming around to henry cavill as superman okay slowly but surely don't like the batman guy though just can't do it. No, I'm I'm with you on that. I, and I prefer Cavill would have stayed as Geralta Rivera on The Witcher, but oh well, we can't have well, everything. Uh, well, personal reasons. When you have the writers don't like the 
the project and they're going to try and tank that's it. That's a whole nother podcast. Just walked away. <laughs> but yeah, and, and you know, I, I am going to talk about that real quick just because it's just do like it, oh, that's what we do. Um, yeah, I was reading that, that, you know, because when um, I'm, a, I haven't read any of the Witcher books at all, mm -hmm. but I'm familiar with the lore from the video games and they right. get pretty, pretty deep into a lot of stuff. They're huge fucking stories. And with all the Slavic uh, mythology and lore is right. actually really fucking cool in there. Mm -hmm. um so your people are weird david they uh, are <laughs> krampus all i got to say yeah but um when henry so, was cast he it came to light that he played the games liked the right. material was so into Geralt. and when i watched the first two seasons like holy fuck he is that character right all the way. right and he he had said he is there for the seven year plan to see the story through. He was that invested in it. Right. And then I heard that they're deviating from the source material. And he's like, ah, mm -hmm. "Fuck y'all!" Superman yeah. calls. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. No, when you when your writers literally tell you, "We don't like this source material. It's too masculine or too whatever," and we don't like it, we're just going to do our own thing, and you're going to become a secondary or a thirdary character in your own. No. In your own project? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Geralt is the um, equivalent of James Bond. Yeah. Or mixed with Captain Kirk. If there's a lady, there he is. <laughs> and I've and I've heard that. I've never watched Witcher. I've never Dude, it's really it. good. It's really good. But I've good. heard like all this stuff was rumbling around. And as soon as I heard he left, I was like, I already I knew why he left before anybody even reported why he left. I was like, because of the writing. I guarantee it, it's the writers. Yeah. So hopefully the Netflix president will just call up these writers and go, uh, you're all fired. Yeah, you just called people in here that want to do this. Have yeah. a nice day. Hey, Henry, don't worry. I, I fired everybody. If you want to yeah. do this, we're, we're still good. I doubt he would come back now, but um, I, I don't know. He talks. <laughs> you know what? For a guy like him, he strikes me as a guy who, hey, I got rid of the problem. Mm -hmm. These are the new writers. Come in and talk to them. See if you want you if you want to work with them. They'll they'll tell you their their idea, what they want to do. And if you guys, if you're cool with that, we will sign you on to another year, and we'll do it year by year basis. I think Henry Cavill would be like, yeah, yeah. okay, I'm yeah. there. I know we just went on a weird segue, but not really because we're talking British actors. Yeah, uh, and, and and so yeah, yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people want him for Bond. I don't know. I'll I'll give it a chance, but um, I, yeah, I guess I could kind of see him as James Bond. I don't yeah, know. I could, but uh, one of the things I was going to say, I watched. Uh, speaking of him, uh, watched the second Anola Holmes on Netflix. Good. It's really good. I was going to do like a 30 second take on, on both of those, like do a little. You thing. know what? We, you can or we'll just make a show. Uh, we can do it right now or we'll make a show of both of them if you want. That'd be good. That'd be a good first uh, of the new year. I'm going to have to watch the first one again. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> but we may. But I was going to say that that was really good. And mm -hmm. what I was reading a lot was with Millie Bobby Brown and how she talked about Cavill um, right. behind the scenes and how he he treated her and, and kept right. things as, you know, Hey, I'm the adult here and stuff like that. And it just, yeah. uh, um, he sounds like a really, a really stand up decent dude. And good. Good. Uh, yeah. I've heard really good things about him. People yeah. I've never heard anybody come out and go, Oh, Henry Cavill's out this and that. I've always heard everybody, even people who like, you're like, I'll probably never work with the guy again. Well, why not? Yeah. We'll probably just never pass. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. When you ask me, all. is there if there's, there's any actor I'll never work with again? I could say yes, and well, yeah. we're not going to talk about that on the air. Uh, but but my, my <laughs> point is, like, usually people will be like, "Oh no, he's wonderful," and you can tell by the fake smile they don't mean it. Most of yeah. these people are like, "No, this guy's freaking great." Yeah, this 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 is a really upstanding cat. It's like John Travolta. I've mm -hmm. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about John Travolta. Yeah, you know, it's like you know he's a great guy. Well, why? Because have you ever talked to him? He's a great guy. <laughs> That's know? what I've heard. Uh, now, I don't know John Travolta from Adam, but judging by the way other people have spoke about him. Yeah. Is a what a, I, a friend of mine um, out of Atlanta, Primo Brown, who wrote a movie called Life on the Line, which stars John Travolta. I know of that movie. Uh, it's a good movie. Uh, Primo did a good job with it, even though he's... Yeah. 
there's, <laughs> I'll tell you later some things about that. But uh, right. he he himself mentioned he was on set up in Vancouver, I believe is where they filmed it, and uh, how John Travolta was there and was just you know a, a really cool guy. They hung out quite right. a bit. So um, that's good. So that's that was really cool. neat to have the lead actor hanging out with the writer, um, which is which is neat. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know how we got on this from uh, Hogs Watch, yeah. but we can roll it's right. Good back. people, good actors. That you know, yeah, British. He like. said British. That was it. Um, and, this. And the, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the good thing about this movie is, if you we're going to go back to Discworld now, folks. Yeah. We're going back, back to, to Discworld. Sorry, sorry about tangent. the tangent. That's what we do. If you if you're a normal watcher or listener on this program, you know that. The good thing about the Hogfather is it is a standalone story. If you don't really know, if you're going to read the book, if you're going to watch this movie, it is standalone. You you can watch this and never, never watch another Harry, Terry Pratchett movie. You can read that book and never have to read any of the books that came before it or any of the books that go after it. It's just a good read. Terry Pratchett, God rest his soul was a genius storyteller. I'm reading all the Harry Potter books now. I'm mm -hmm. going, I've never read them. Wife told me they were great. They I've are known, great. Where are you at on them? I'm on the fourth book. Okay. I think I made it up into, I don't know if it's the fifth or sixth, uh, the Half-Blood Prince might have been the last one I read. Right. Um, right. I need to finish. I just, for some reason, I, I lost interest um, mm -hmm. and started watching the movies. But the books are the yeah. books are great. They're easy to read, and man, they're relatable. Um, and I would put J.K. Rowling. Other than some of the obvious plot holes that, as an adult, I see, mm -hmm. but as a kid growing up reading them, I probably would have never noticed. But as an adult, I'm looking at that, going, "Why, why, why is Dumbledore putting all these people in all this goddamn danger? He's the most powerful <laughs> wizard in the world." But that's beside the point. Because the, you have the, to have a story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> somebody's got to be the catalyst. <laughs> my big point is, like, Terry Pratchett can tell a beautiful story. Yeah. J.K. Rowling tells a beautiful story. Yeah, and a universe creation is amazing. The, yeah, like, like, yeah, I think I was talking to you a couple weeks ago, like, places that I would go, like, if, if I yes. died and, and I was offered, like, okay, you got, you know, pick one of these, what, four out of four places would you like to go? Uh, Discworld would be my probably my number one spot. Um, DS9 would be num mm -hmm. my number two spending universe, just yeah. flying around, and be that being my home base. Number three, I think I told you, would be uh, the Red Dwarf. Yes, he did. <laughs> because there's nobody around me, and I can be left the hell alone. And I forgot what the fourth one was, but the oh, the original Star Trek series. Like, yeah. if I could just be in maybe J.K. Rowling's universe, but for me, there, there's like just too much crap going on in that universe. Like, I can enjoy it from outside. I don't know if I'd want to be a part of it. <laughs> but Discworld, I you could drop me in the middle of Ankh-Mor Pork as long as I'm not in the shades. Yeah. I could be good. I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. Ah, this is fun. This is. Yeah. It's a neat, it's a neat universe. That's, that's what yeah. was really cool. I honestly, I, I don't have an answer for uh, what, what you said, what universe you would be in. Yeah. Of course, I always would love to uh, travel the world with the doctor, but it can't oh, be David Tennant. I, I totally forgot about that. It can't I totally be David forgot Tennant's about the doctor. doctor. How could I forget about uh, I probably... Eccleston, I'd go with number nine is fine. Be safe. Yeah, I would be good. Any of the first, <laughs> you know what? Tom Baker. From the second. The first doctor is too curmudgy for me. Yeah. Uh, I love the first doctor because he sets up the rest. Right. But from number two to number seven, I would be glad to hang out with. Yeah. Number four would be my, number three and number four would be my big choices. Right. Number three, if we could actually get the damn TARDIS off the planet, would be fun. <laughs> uh, but number four for sure. Man. Oh, yeah. I, That'd be another like, yes, we're going to go. We're going to go have fun now. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Stop awesome. touching buttons, Dave. You can't fly the TARDIS. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, folks, I, I really, I can't, for me, for my money, for my sensibility, show off. I don't have one of those. <laughs> well, you know, we were talking the doctor. From, from 
the old ass movie reviews to the TARDIS for anybody who's just listening. And, and we're going to leave it there like, for the rest of the show. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to get me one of those. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. I forgot where I was at. Sorry, just didn't mean. Watch what... the movie, folks. It is fantastic. For my, for my sensibilities and my heart, this movie does me good every time. Yeah. Every time, especially when Beth is having long, good conversations with his granddaughter. It's, you know, they're all very heartwarming. Yeah, they Even are. the very first mo- meeting is very heartwarming because you can see Death's mouth never moves. His eyes never change. But that body language that he has, and the, you know he wants to just hug her and say, I love you. But he doesn't really know what love is. I mean, he does, but he doesn't know that he does. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, he knows uh, it. But he does. He de- he delivers it. It's insane. Yeah. I think I texted you. The biggest heart in this whole entire movie is death. Yeah. It is is death himself. He saves everybody. Because he knows it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And that's the good thing about this. It's one of those deals where sometimes a savior comes from a spot you're least likely to find. In. Exactly. exactly. Just, just read any good mythos, any, any legends from the Vikings, from the Greeks, from, you know, the Romans, any, anything. Yeah. They just come out of the place where nobody's looking, and all of a sudden, you're the hero. I don't want to be a hero. Well, you are today, buddy. <laughs> how it usually happens. How it usually happens. So I'm going to give my... Uh, it's Death. He's the hero. Yeah. My, my final thoughts on this, I say definitely give it a watch. But I do say, if you haven't read anything, I, I would recommend reading something or just reading up on the lore right. a little bit, because it left me... Left me a little confused at first, but it all it all does come together, and you yeah. do see what's going on. It's just not knowing that initial bit was um it was a little hard to follow. But right. once it once it clicked, it's like okay, you know what, you belong in the upper echelon of Christmas movies. That's yeah. that was I, that made me feel good. Every I'm really glad that you liked it. And <laughs> yeah, folks, I did. I hope you all enjoy this movie too as much as I enjoy it. I love this movie. <laughs> I, I can't help it. I do. I think yeah. it's a great movie, and we're gonna do. Maybe the first of the year, we'll do Enola Holmes, the first two Enola Holmes. Yes. Instead yes, of me doing will, all, um, I'm glad I didn't shoot off a little 30-second or whatever review. No. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do an Enola Holmes double feature coming up. So, uh, cool. folks, uh, I'd like to thank any of our new listeners, any of the new watchers who have found us. Thank you so much. God, much love. Thanks for the uh, subscribes, the likes, the, the messages. And uh, please leave us a review, share anything. Also, if you are interested in something besides movies, Dave and I have a brand new podcast called yeah. Neverworld Podcast. You can find yeah. it at neverworld.com, neverworldpodcast.com, or go to YouTube, search Neverworld Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook Neverworld Podcast. Podcast and Twitter at Neverworld Podcast. Um, and, and so you said you have us up on all the podcast delivery. You should sites be able like to listen uh, right now for uh, episodes. By the time this airs, there should be at least two uh, podcast episodes up of Neverworld. We talk That's about right. aliens, ghosts, uh, psychics, religion, mythology, archaeology, anything that's oh. weird and unknown and very cool. Science, all the stuff that we enjoy talking about when you guys aren't watching us. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's actually stuff. rated PG. Yeah, we're trying not to swear on that one. Shit, Brian, <laughs> we're trying. I we're think trying. I did say shit one time. We've said a couple times. Did we? Well, yeah, I'm my editing fingers. Trying, I've folks. got editing finger. Anyway, <laughs> quick on the edit finger. Yeah. So thanks again, folks, and tune in next week for more old ass movie goodness. Mm-hmm. Cheers.